0: Kevin, we are back for episode two of Grab Them By The Pod, and you'll notice there are some uh, improvements to this podcast. We actually have theme music now.
1: Yeah, I think it sounds pretty good. I think the people will like uh, what we've got for them.
0: Like many things in life, this is uh, an ongoing process. We we live and learn from week to week, from podcast to podcast, and I think it'll just keep getting better and better.
1: Sure, yeah, I think uh, we've got some exciting (laughs) things to talk about today, and uh, if people will take a listen, They might learn something.
0: And, you know, if they listen and get back to us, we may learn something from them too. You know, it's very cyclical like that. Absolutely. (laughs) But one thing I want to point out, so we got a lot of good uh, reviews from people, a lot of good feedback from some of the folks online. uh, And one of the things that came back to me, they said, Jesse... You know, I've known you for a little while. I didn't know you were a conservative. And I say, well, I'm not a conservative. I, I mentioned that I was registered Republican, but I'm, I'm socially liberal, fiscally conservative. I'm a man without a party. And while I say I'm socially liberal, fiscally conservative, neither of those are absolutes. You know, uh, I was just listening to a great podcast by, uh, by the wonderful Dan Carlin. He had a quote, I forget who it was by, and said, when the facts change, so do my opinions. And I'm kind of the same way. You know, I, I'm not stuck in one area. I, I'm there to learn and to grow.
1: Well, that's good. And, you know, we want people to be able to make changes when the facts change. So, you know, and if you listen to it depends on who you listen to, because when I describe you, I often describe you as a very uh, hard right. So uh, communist, excuse me, a conservative, whereas you describe me as that communist pinko, whatever you want to call me. and, And I am not necessarily that far to the left either. So I think if we actually give each other a chance and we listen to what we're saying and we're using facts, then we see a difference.
0: And I do want to point out, I do have a friend who is originally from West Virginia who is pointing out you're just a New England liberal. So I'm like, God, it really does it really does depend on who you talk to on exactly what they describe you as being. But you know, some people have told me that I'm to a certain degree ineffable.
1: Well, I, I do want to point something out. I want to go with what you just said there for a minute. The New England liberal, the idea that also elite, you can be. Yeah, you can be a Republican and actually have some liberal viewpoints. And I think that's what we've gotten away from the idea that we have to be so partisan and we have to be so far to the, to the right or to the left, that there is uh, there's no mix within a party. That's something that we used to have. You go back 40, 50 years uh, when backroom deals were actually made in Congress and these guys got to actually know each other. The reason why they were able to get things done was because there was a mix. Uh, there was uh, within the same party. There were liberal Republicans. There were conservative Democrats. Yeah, the and blue dog Democrats result, are
0: more conservative right. Democrats. I mean, one of the things you hear a lot, especially in the last decade, is, oh, he's just a rhino, which stands for Republican in name only, because they are not 100% lockstep with a Republican platform. But who, who wants people who are just you know, black and white? We want We want some gray area thrown in there.
1: That's right. The only way anything will get accomplished. So hopefully we can get more of those types of people in our government.
0: Uh, fingers crossed, because you know we're a lot. What is it? There's there's a lot more than unites us than divides us, as they say, and uh, it's it's things. I, I really think it's the. It's funny because I've been back in the media so much, but I think a lot of parts with the media shows, whether it's Fox News or whatever, that that you have to be one side or the other, and they really push the differences. And if you sat down and you talked to somebody with maybe different views, you have the same values perhaps, maybe different ideas of how to get there and, and, and really hone those values. But I think most people, whether you're a liberal, whether you're a conservative, whether you're a populist, whether you're a socialist, whatever, you have the same values and you want maybe the same things. I don't know. Maybe I'm just you know wishful thinking.
1: Right. So, hey, why don't we get right to it now? There's been a lot of stuff going on the past few days with uh, President Trump, uh, so I'm going to let you is. take it away. You've got, you've got a lot of talking points here oh, you want to start yes, with, yes. so go I, ahead.
0: I think just based on who our president is, we need to have a new segment we start out with called Trump Tweets. Um, that could be very long some weeks, but just go through a couple of the – I would say – Crazy things he says and just maybe get, get a little discussion on them first. Uh, towards the end of last week he tweeted out that the FBI is totally unable to stop a national security leakers that have permitted our government for that have permeated our government for a long time. They can't even find the leakers within the FBI itself. Classified information is being given to the media that could have have a devastating effect on the US. Find now. When he says a devastating effect on the US, I think he maybe really means a devastating effect on, on me, Donald J. Trump.
1: Yeah, I believe so, too. And and all I can think of here is this reminds me of, of Watergate leakers, plumbers, what have you. What, <laughs> what's going on here is something that uh, we need to really focus on because we're missing the heart of the matter. The real threat to the United States of America is the idea that you have a president who doesn't necessarily believe uh, media reports and also is trying to lead other people to believe the news to be fake and to believe that it's not what's being leaked, it's the fact that there are leakers, when in reality, it's that this very highly sensitive confidential information is being shared with people that don't need to know about it. And he's looking at who's leaking it as opposed to what's being leaked.
0: And the fact that it's being leaked, I mean, they're not just leaking, leaking it for shits and giggles, pardon my language, they're leaking it probably because. There's a lot that has to be known, that and you can't trust the administration. If you're working for the FBI, and you already have this kind of tumultuous relationship with the president, when he's going out there and tweeting, rather than talking to you, having meetings, trying to figure out what the hell's going on, if you're tweeting that kind of stuff out, it's not going to bring you over to his side, and it's probably only going to intensify the leaks.
1: Yeah, uh, this is uncharted territory here. Uh, I know that we've talked about how there was issues, similar issues with a distrust in the media and a distrust, a general distrust in a, out of a president like Nixon. This is something that it goes above and beyond that.
0: And you know, it's not an original joke, and it's been said many times. But I feel it has to be said just one more time. Whenever I talk about leaks in Trump, you can't help but think about the, uh, the thoughts about Russia with the golden showers and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> leak. <laughs> Take a leak, Donald. It, it's funny every time I hear it. It's funny every time I say it. Uh, then he went on and said again, maybe if the millions of people who voted to make America great again, in caps, uh, maybe they should have their own rally. It would be the biggest of them all. And then your boy, Bernie Sanders, tweeted out a picture from Inauguration Day and said
1: they did. They did. It, it wasn't. wasn't.
0: And, you know, I, I'm not always a huge Bernie guy, but, man, he he had he had Trump there dead rights.
1: Absolutely. There's no – we can't uh... – I'm I'm at a loss for words here. The, I mean, <laughs> president, the president does not believe in fact. The president does not believe in things that can be seen, that can be quantified. He lives in his own world and makes up his own stories that he runs with and tries to get other people to believe. And sadly, he has enough of a following that actually does buy in to his lies.
0: Here's Here's the reality of things. There is 50% of this country who is against Trump. There are 50% of this country who voted for Trump. But a portion of those are the people who just, you know, when he says he can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and they'll still support him, that's them. And then a portion of those people are the people who didn't like Hillary, didn't like Trump, but wanted to change. And those are the people who aren't going to be going out there um, going insane like some of the Trump supporters or like some of the anti-Trump supporters. Those are the people that I think the Democrats have to focus on winning back and, and showing them that you know we do value you, we are the party for you, and that's what we want. So when he says you know, these people voted to make America great again, that's not just one giant group. There are a lot of factions, I think, within that group, and it's, it's picking away the people who are not the um, – be hardcores, I guess you would say, um, that's how you defeat Trump.
1: Agreed. And I think that they have to tap into the sense of buyer's remorse that might exist Mm -hmm. amongst some of those more moderate people who were just so ready for change that they were willing to go with what they saw as the complete outsider. And if you can do that, then maybe we can actually get some change that will make more positive, uh, decisions that will affect the country in a more positive way.
0: Some people may just have to subscribe to the idea of that, you know, be careful what you wish for. And that's not me scolding them or chastising them or saying like you're an idiot, saying that, you know, you, you wanted something, you got it. Now, maybe it's not all, it was up to be to begin with, but I don't know. Right. Um, but moving on, um, some of the big news that came out yesterday, although I guess it's not actually really much of a surprise, Trump tweeted out that he will not be attending the White House Correspondents' Dinner um, this year, and he everybody has a great evening. First of all, he doesn't want them to have a great evening, screw that. Second of all, he's the first president in 36 years not to attend. Um, I mean, that's the modern era of the White House Correspondents' Dinner, where it becomes kind of a, a roast of everybody. Uh, I mean, last time he was there, Obama really gave him a hard time, and some say that's what really pushed him to run. But right. it's – you know, he, someone online I saw posted that he's a definition of an Internet troll, you're a big tough guy online, tweeting out things, but you can't go and talk to them face to face. And that's really what it is. He he's a big, big tough guy when he's talking with people who agree with him or talking behind Twitter. But when he gets in front of these people, he kind of uh, cowers a little bit. I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know, this is like you said, the first time since Reagan in '81. And it's important to note it's not just Republicans. Jimmy Carter in '78 also missed it. He was uh, experiencing exhaustion. He didn't go. But this is a tradition that dates back to Calvin Coolidge in the 1920s. So why not go? And more importantly, yes, it's turned into a roast. But when you look at the, the bottom line of what this event is even for, it raises over $100,000 in scholarships for people who want to study journalism. And in this contentious uh, political scene that we have here, there's nothing more important than good, hard, honest journalism to keep these politicians accountable.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't want to say that it would be able to get to the point where it let bygones be bygones. I think we're well past that part. But if you could just have Trump and the media come together and just for a night, be like, F it and kind of just be goofy with each other, you know, we'll hate each other tomorrow, like like always. But it's just, it's, I mean, they call it nerd prom. It's, it, it, when I was in D.C., it was a big, big night. And it's interesting because Samantha B was hosting the anti Trump dinner. And now if Trump's not going to one, what's the point of that one? It's, it's strange, but it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think it was a couple people come out with this, but I think it was Zach Braff from Scrubs who may have said at first that they think Alec Baldwin should go there as Trump and act like Trump the entire night and just do, do it normally like he would be there.
1: Yeah, I, it, it was Braff. I did. I read about that this morning myself. So that, that could be interesting in and of itself.
0: Uh, the next tweet he had was actually today. Yesterday he tweeted out um, Tom Perez had beat Keith Ellison for the uh, DNC chair. And uh, this morning he actually tweeted out that the race for the DNC chairman was, of course, totally rigged. Bernie's guy, like Bernie himself, never stood a chance. Clinton demanded Perez. I think it was more Obama that backed Pre- I mean, not outwardly, but it was his group that wanted um, Perez, but again, he says it's rigged, he says it's not fair, but he really has nothing to show for it. He has no proof. He, uh, as, as we'll hear later on, he demands the media have sources and proof, be yet he's happy to willy-nilly just throw whatever out there.
1: Right, and Donald Trump needs to get over Hillary, right? The election's over. He won, yeah, so there's yeah. no reason why he should still be hung up on Hillary Clinton. And yet he is, and he's considering this rigged. And at the end of the day, this is not his party. So, he shouldn't be passing judgment at all. And secondly, he needs to be careful if he's honestly thinking about reelection, which he has filed that he plans to run again. Uh, and I know that's a long way off, but he's looking at alienating people himself. You know, the more he drums up uh, the negative, if he doesn't do everything that his supporters believed that he was going to do, he might turn some of them away. And then in, in two years, certainly. Uh, there's a referendum coming with the midterm elections, and if he does, if he loses control of one or both houses of Congress, uh, he's going to see that maybe these are are some negative consequences of his actions, and and hopefully something finally holds him accountable for his actions.
0: And as we've said over and over and over again, you know, if it goes against him, rigged lies. Fake. If it's for him, oh, it was fair. Um, that's you know. If if he had won the popular vote and lost the electoral vote, he would be losing his frigging mind right now. Which you know, like some of the Democrats, many of them are too. I, I give him that. But it's that he 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 says he takes criticism well, but he doesn't. He um because because he, he says he takes criticism well when it's deserved, but in his mind it's never deserved. So therefore he can never take. It's it's a catch twenty
1: two with him. Right. Listen, I deal with children a lot. Um, I have my own children. I'm a teacher. And in that in those roles, I see kids acting this way all the time. He, he's he's a classic. He's a child. He's a man boy. Right. He can't take criticism when it's doled out to him, but he can sure dish it out to other people himself. And as you said, he claims that he can take the criticism as long as it's fair. But in his mind, no criticism is fair because he seems to honestly believe himself above all others.
0: He's like that bully in school that is a big big tough guy but the second someone finally pops him one in the nose he's you know he's running away cuz cuz he he's never had anybody stand up to him before and you know again I don't advocate violence on this podcast but when I I guess metaphorically speaking popping him in the nose is just standing up for him and not let him get away with his nonsense I mean if you let him get away with it again, there are there, there's a faction just like the faction that voted for him there's a faction that will believe anything he says and that this is all fake news and the mainstream media is nonsense Um, But it's important to note that when he said – when we – Yeah, he's a a classic bully. When when the term fake news came out, it was like when it was a website, like www.impeachhillarynow.com, had some fake news. That was fake news, not just news that he disagrees with. I don't know. But uh, moving on to the last tweet of the day, this came out actually today. He said, Russia talk is fake news put out by the Dems and played up by the media in order to mask the big election defeat in the illegal leaks. Well, if it's all fake news, why isn't Flynn working there anymore?
1: Exactly. It's played up to the media in order to mask a big election defeat in the illegal leaks, or it's not, or it's real. And Mike Flynn is a, as a casualty of this. This is real. He was talking with Russia before he should have been and about things confidentially that he shouldn't have been. And this is real. So the
0: intelligence agencies that he hates have admitted that they hack people. That, that that's not a question. Um, the question is how much is he involved or was he involved in this stuff? And the fact that, you know, we don't have his tax returns, that the fact that he doesn't want to talk to anybody without screaming, calling them fake, we don't know. So he just he's perpetuating it. And you know, maybe we're falling into the Trump trap where we're just talking about his nonsense instead of you know, the actual issues, but it's just impossible to do anything
1: otherwise. Right. And that leads us perfectly into uh, the next piece here, which deals with the media and what he did uh, uh, late last week with blocking out certain news outlets from the press gaggle. It's, if we don't have an honest and open media that's able to keep tabs on what the president is doing, you know, we, we won't know whether or not these things are happening.
0: It's ridiculous. You know, I, I watched – Um, him speak to CPAC, which we'll talk uh, about a little later on. But um, after that, I saw that, yes, Sean Spicer was going to be having his daily White House press briefing. I was ready to watch it. And then, of course, right before it was supposed to be aired, it disappeared. It wasn't on the schedule anymore. And then things started to trickle out, saying that he had kind of a, a in, the, in the West Wing a little press gaggle for only specific organizations, things like Breitbart, which is you know, the home of the alt-right, uh, the Washington Times, One American News Network, you know, and that, that sounds real legit, uh, things like that where they blocked out CNN, New York Times, LA Times, Politico, BuzzFeed, and then organizations like the AP and Time Magazine, they actually boycotted, good for them, but when you only bring in the organizations that agree with you, I mean that's like it's leading to like state-sponsored media. I I work with a guy whose wife is Russian. He lived in Russia in the um, 80s and 90s, and he goes, it's it's just this is exactly what was going on over there. You only you only hear what they want you to hear.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure North Korea doesn't have any critical news outlets.
0: No, I mean they they. If you said something that that Putin didn't like, I would be um, I would be afraid to put that out.
1: Right. And this, again, drives the importance of having that open, honest and fair media. We can't just live in a world that only gives positive press. We need to hold our politicians accountable. And the president is politician number one. If he's only allowing people to cover him that are going to give him positive news coverage, we need to be able to see that. And, and for me, maybe it's just because I am engaged as a citizen and I, I do follow politics and I know what's going on that to me, this is just baffling. But sadly, I think there is a large percentage of our population that doesn't either even know this is happening or see this as being wrong. This is scary. This is how, as you said, state sponsored uh, journalism. This is, this is communism. This is dictatorship. This is the things that we've seen in these countries that we have fought against for years. And it's happening here on United States soil.
0: It is, it, you know, as you say those things. Part of me is like, yeah, that's just political hyperbole. But it's, but it's not to a certain degree. It's, it's everything has a beginning, and it's. I just find very disturbing some of these things. I mean, the, the news stories that came out this week that you know Trump only watches TV. He doesn't like to read. We've talked about that before. That his administration, the people that work with him, have been kind of planting good Trump stories. … into things like Breitbart and, and publications like that and then feeding it into Fox News so then he sees positive stories about him and and he gets happy. They're basically saying you can't leave him alone because he'll t- watch too much TV and then get all worked up and do something stupid. It's This is the guy who's our president.
1: Right. If that's not scaring you, I don't know what will.
0: And, and the funny thing to come out of this, I was watching some of the uh, Betsy DeVos uh, speech at uh, CPAC. Again, we'll talk about that in a little little bit. But one of the things she said was you know, some are saying that if you voted for Donald Trump, you're a threat to university, the university community. The real threat is silencing the First Amendment rights of those with which you disagree. The Trump administration is very big saying you can't shut out the people that believe like like we do, but they're the first people to try to shut out people who disagree with them. It's, it's just ridiculous.
1: Right, classic uh... – 21st century politicking what's good for the goose is not good for the gander right i can do it but you can't
0: yeah do as i say not as i do so i i'm pissed off that saturday night live for the second week in a row was a repeat last night this stuff it's just giving it to them on a silver platter and they're not around they're dropping the ball i want to know what they're going to say they better be back next week
1: Right. I, like you, did watch last night hoping that there was going to be something about what happened uh, late in the week and was disappointed, but still got a few good laughs in even though it was uh, from back in November.
0: So on to the – I guess I would say the number one story right now, the, and it's already getting old because he just saw crazy things that you know nothing sticks around too long, that Trump spoke to CPAC uh, on Friday. You know, CPAC is like a giant conservative circle jerk, and it's not – when I say conservative, because it's not a Republican thing. It's like the the right of the right, like these are the guys who will follow Trump, you know, into the depths of hell, no matter what, because because mind you, Trump.
1: not to interrupt, Jess, but a year ago these people were dead set against Donald Trump being the yeah, president, yeah. and now they're sitting around, you know, stroking his ego.
0: Fake news, Kevin. Fake news. They never said that, even though there's
1: probably a video of it. You know, oh, I'm sure so, facts don't matter.
0: So, of course, you know, Trump can't help himself. He points out that you know, fake news, again, is the enemy of the people, going back to something that you would hear in, like, China or, or you know, communist Russia. But he points out, you know, I didn't say the media, just the fake news. And fake news, though, is anything that disagrees with him. So, it's, again, it's, you can never be. It's a catch-22 that he's okay with things that hate him if it's worthy, but nothing is worthy.
1: Right, and fake news, the enemy of the state, whereas there are actual enemies of the state out there that you know, you're know you diverting news coverage from with your antics, and, and these things are actually enemies of the state. These things are actually dangerous. The media is not dangerous. You know, Bias media is dangerous, but the real mainstream, or as they call lamestream media, mm-hmm. that is not dangerous. That That is necessary in a democracy.
0: Oh, and, and the other thing is that... He, you know, sometimes, I'm not a journalist, so I don't know exactly how it goes, but sometimes you have to withhold the names of your sources because they're afraid of their job, they're afraid for their life. Like There's, there's lots of reasons why you have unnamed sources. It's not just because you're fake news. And Trump basically said that he thinks there should be um, no, you shouldn't be able to tell news stories if you don't have the names of your sources. And that's, that's against the First Amendment, too, in my opinion, that it's... It's very scary that, you know, that's great. Hey, guess what? We have these news people, and then they turn up dead. Again, that's what happens in Putin's Russia.
1: Right. We, you can't have uh, journalism if you are forced to announce your sources for every single story. This is why we have whistleblower laws. This is why we have things where people from the inside can report out that things are happening that are not ethical, that are not okay, and get it to the media so that we in the public are aware. That's how the change happens. When you, when you re- require people to out their sources, as you said, that puts some people's careers and lives in jeopardy. And, and that's not okay. Not in a democracy. And I keep going back to that, but if we want to protect and preserve our democracy, we have to have the ability for our journalists to report on real news and to be able to get that information out there. And that means protecting their sources at times.
0: And I don't even think he's thinking before he says things. I think he just like oh it sounds good I'm going to say this He doesn't put any actual thought into the repercussions of some of the things he might say or or some of the policies he wants to impose I, he just says things and you never know whether he's going to follow through with it or whether he just likes the sound of his own voice
1: now, what it must be like to be a fly on the wall inside Donald Trump's brain
0: I, I kind of feel it's just like do 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 with like, you know, the the bear with the symbols clapping uh, Ooh, shiny thing but God, just imagine that he must be great to be Donald Trump because you think you're the best. Like, I I honestly think he he buys into some of his BS. So he's, he's going to have the highest self-esteem of like any president ever because he's always right. He's the best. No one's better than him,
1: which is right. sad. But. And, and sadly, in this world of billionaires that he comes from, I honestly believe that they don't realize – what the criticism is all about they they don't get it they don't understand and they can't imagine why people would would not like them because all their lives they've been entitled they have been above everybody else and and they don't see some of the problems that they cause they, they believe that they are in the right all the time because no one's ever really told them no certainly in the business world no one's ever told donald trump no he gets what he wants so he doesn't understand this
0: and I don't. I've said this before. I don't want to be the guy just crapping on Trump because it's the popular thing to do, but he just says things that are just not true. When he was speaking at CPAC, he said there are lines six blocks away where people trying to get in. There were pictures of that. It just wasn't true. It was. It was. There was no giant line. People got in, and that was it. He said there was. This is. There was. This is a victory. He had his presidential victory was like no other presidential victory has ever been. Like, he he has to make everything the best. And if he just said, you know what? A lot of people wanted to get here today, and our victory was great. People wouldn't be yelling at him because he'd just be saying, I, I, I mean, I, I would still disagree with some of those things, but he, but he's not trying to quantify it with, with just false claims.
1: No, and I, like I said, I don't believe that he knows any better. If you look at his upbringing, if you go back in his family history with his father, Fred Trump, his father raised the family to think that they were above everybody else. So since his childhood… He's always had this sense of entitlement and feeling that he was better uh, suited for positions of power, that he was smarter, more able. And here he is now, 70 years old, and this is just all he's known.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and he wants kudos because he goes, I, I told Tom Price and I told uh, uh, Speaker Ryan, we could have just let this Obamacare stuff just explode, and it would have been bad for the country. It would have been great for us politically. But I said, you know, that's not right. I'm like, what, do you want a pat in the back because you, you're claiming yes, you yes, could have let does. everything go to hell and you didn't? Like that's, your job as president is to stop that. You, you want a pat in the back for doing your job. Right,
1: because he's always been patted on the back.
0: I don't know. One, one of the things I take actually to heart is you know his his war against regulations, and to a certain degree, you know, at, at a low level, I understand you know there's a lot of red tape. But you know I work in the regulations world. One of the things I do for a living is analyze uh, some regulations for healthcare issues and and how it affects the company I work for. And I've noticed a slowdown since he he put out his his executive order and regulations, and he wants to cut them by 75. percent And he goes, this, this is literally what he says. I want to put the regulation industry out of business. The next thing he says, by the way, I love. I want regulations. That makes no sense. You want to put them out of business, but you want regulations. It, you can't have it both ways. And, and getting rid of regulations, that's what he's doing with the, this, the West Virginia and the Kentucky with the coal. I mean, and those guys are going to pay for it with their lives when they get. I don't. I mean, I don't know the the uh, history of black lung, but I know working in those mines, it's not healthy for you. It's not good.
1: Right. Science has continued to prove certain things are not good for us as humans, not good for our environment. We have to at some point start to listen to these factual things that are proven. And I know that that's not big or popular within the Trump administration, but facts do matter. Science proves things. It's true. These are truths. We can't deny them.
0: I'm not heartless. I know there are people who are coal miners, and that's all they've ever known, and with these regulations and the closing of mines, you know, it puts them in a tough spot. I understand that, but the answer is not to go, okay, we're going to go back to something that's that's really, quite frankly, the past. It's not the future. It's the past. I would rather money be invested into Education for some of these. I mean, I, I don't know what other jobs are out there, but there are jobs that are going to be available in different sectors as we move forward. I would rather educate these guys to move on to other jobs rather than just going. You know what? They need jobs, so we're going to stick them back in the same crappy conditions that were there before, just to make them feel better. It's 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 not the answer.
1: Right. You have to be able to adapt to the times, and certainly the coal mining industry is is way past its due, and we need to invest some time money and resources into retraining re-educating so that they can find jobs and find work that allows them to make a meaningful living for themselves but doesn't put their lives at risk nor the lives of all of us uh, due to the environmental concerns
0: you know, we, we can harp on the cpac speech forever so i think i'm just going to go through a couple of things quickly uh you know he, he directed the military and the defense community to totally obliterate isis oh, great idea I mean, you know, no one ever thought of that before He he said he'd have a plan within the first, like, what, 30 days or something, but but he's not going to tell us the plan because he doesn't want to spoil it and and give uh, ISIS a heads up. So he has a plan. He can't prove he has a plan, and uh, there's no signs of him having a plan, but he has a plan.
1: So what are the odds that that is his plan? Yeah. His plan is obliterate ISIS.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Why didn't I think of that before? We're such idiots. That damn Obama. If only he had thought about that. Uh, he just he thinks of things on such a basic level, like what he wants to do, but doesn't worry about how he will get do that. how will we go about getting these results?
1: And in this sense, this is where I can see how he connected to the common working man in the Midwest, right? This is where he is like the common man. He mm-hmm. does not have the inside uh, knowledge of how uh, politics work. He doesn't understand how Washington works or how foreign policy works. And this on this level, he can connect to those people. But that's not who i want in the white house that's not who i want to get that three o'clock in the morning phone call or have their finger on the big red button i want somebody who actually understands foreign policy who can work with leaders of other countries in you know and have a rational discussion with them so i get it where he connects with these people but that's that's not what we want in washington
0: i hope the people in middle america realize that he may be saying what they want to hear speaking the right words but that talk is cheap you, if you talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. And uh, you know, in the next couple of years, and four years, hopefully at the most, if he hasn't put his money where his mouth is and, and taking care of business, you gotta show him the door because he can't say, "Oh, you know, what my plan to obliterate ISIS is a five-year plan and we're working on it and things are being done." No, no, you have to show these people in middle America that are in, have, facing hardships that you're gonna help them and help them soon. And if not, go on to the next person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this obviously is going to be an ongoing thing, and we'll keep our eyes on this, but ISIS, the only way you can defeat radical extremism of, of any religious group is by winning over the hearts and minds of the people who have to live in and around where they operate. We have to convince the people in the Middle East who are dealing on a more direct level with ISIS that ISIS ideology is corrupt, Is that it's not any good, but we're not going to do that by dropping bombs. Yeah, it's
0: that just it's you know, it's it's one of those things I've learned over the or not, I wouldn't say learned but you know I have become to soften and change my views over the last decade or so that you know you know uh, collateral damage adds up and you just create more you create the next generation of people ready to whether it's by how it affects their lives whether it's through the lack of education or propaganda going on down there you have to really show that it's not us against them it's us against for lack of a better term, the bad guys that are there. And I guess, you know, that's, that's a very uh, open and fluid term as well, but but we can't just go out and just bomb villages back in the stone age with all the innocent people there because that's when you piss off the people they're related to, their neighbors that survive and so on and so forth.
1: Right. When you lack education, when you lack exposure to the rest of the world and you're growing up poor in, in some small village in the Middle East and you see the damage and destruction, and you see all the, the carnage that's there, and then you, you find pieces of those bombs that were dropped by drones, and you see the sticker on there that says made in the USA, what are you supposed to think? Are you honestly gonna believe that the United States is there to help you? And I don't think that's the case.
0: And But to be fair though, I think, the military is in a tough position too. Like, you know, what do you, It's. I'm glad I'm not the person there making those decisions because if you, ha, you know, if you have like a Osama bin Laden there, do you kill his family to kill him, or do you don't? I mean, these are these are way above my pay grade. And I think much like a lot of different um, arguments, you you could probably argue both sides and be right, and both sides and be wrong. So um, it's something we have to think about as we move forward. And again, not have it be black and white, which I think Trump very much is black and white.
1: Mm -hmm. And to an extent, I feel most comfortable with uh, Defense Secretary Mattis uh, in his role that he has actually stood up to Trump on several occasions. And he's not for uh, torture as a form of of getting information out of these people. He said, too, I'm going to paraphrase him here, but that he could get more out of a a pack of cigarettes from some of these detainees than he would by torture. Mm -hmm. So I would rather somebody actually stand up to some of these ideas of using torture as a policy to get information than somebody who's just going to bow down to President Trump.
0: And I'll, I'll be honest, um, I'm not a fan of torture, not necessarily on moral grounds, but that the fact that it's, I think it's been shown it just doesn't work. You know, when, when, you're, when you're being waterboarded or, or whatever, you'll just say anything to get it to stop. And I think that's the problem, you know, the, the, the morality behind torture and, you know, if if we, they do it, if we do it, that, that's, a, that's a long, long discussion we could have at another time. But, yeah, you know, you, if it's not going to work, you, do, you don't do it. Uh, okay, we're, we're moving on to the, just the final two things here. One, I, this this was just a ridiculous comment he made, and I think I don't think he even knows what he was talking about. He was talking about how, you know, we want to get along with other countries, but there's no global flag. We're the best. Then he says, no matter the color of the blood we bleed, it's the same red blood of patriots. What? No. No matter the color of the blood we bleed. No, it, you're saying it's red. Like it's he just was babbling on. There's really nothing to say on that. I just want to point that out. The last thing I want to end with here, though, is that um, he ended with his speech with him playing the Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want. To me, that was painfully obvious from this election. I feel like he's saying with that song that you know I, I'm Daddy Trump, and you may not be getting what you want, but sometimes you get what you need, and what you need is me.
1: Yes, and he is the arbiter of that decision. I think not.
0: <laughs> All right. The last thing I want to talk about today, and I'm going to open the floor actually to you a little bit because I don't know the situation quite as much. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to give Betsy DeVos the benefit of the doubt in this in this situation. I know it's a very personal situation for you. Is that you know uh, the uh, the National Lunch Program is a very big deal uh, for a lot of reasons, and I'll, and I'll let you talk about that in a bit. Um, she said at the CPAC thing recently. In her in her first minute of talking, that she's probably the the first person to tell Bernie Sanders to his face that there's no such thing as a free lunch, and I don't think she was specifically talking about the lunch program from what I saw, but also the optics look very bad. It's it's it, I mean the the lunch program uh, thirty one million kids in the United States were on it in two thousand twelve, and from what I can tell the uh, numbers are the same. Um, so if, if I don't know how much you know about it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the uh, the National Lunch Program.
1: Well, Jesse, it's no question I'm not a fan of Betsy DeVos. (laughs) And most the biggest reason why is that she's unqualified for her job. She has no background in education. She has not spent a day in a public school as a student, teacher, administrator. She's never sent her children to public schools. And to me, when you lack that base of knowledge about what the common children of this country are going through on a daily basis, then you are not... In a place to judge and again as i said before with donald trump I, I honestly believe that in her privileged upbringing she doesn't really understand why people would disagree with her but the fact of the matter is you cited some numbers i'm going to say some numbers for you too here in in our state of connecticut where we are podcasting from you know as of 2014 37 percent of our student population in the state was qualified for free and reduced lunch one third of all the children, 206,000 students in this state qualify because their families fall below the poverty level.
0: And and it's worth pointing out that we're a relatively affluent state. So if that's how it is in Connecticut, imagine how it is elsewhere.
1: Right. And we also, while we are a relatively affluent state, we also have the largest achievement gap in the United States. We have uh, towns such as Greenwich or Simsbury or... Farmington that produce great results with their education, and then we have cities like Bridgeport, Hartford, New Haven that are struggling to get students to be where they need to be.
0: With we saw it. We saw it when we went to college there, just how that. I mean, I don't know how the school system is, but you know, depending on how the, how the how the city itself is, can't be great.
1: Right, and you know, personally, I teach in a school in a magnet school district that serves uh, one of our major cities, and I see this on a daily basis. You know, I know that more than half of my students qualify for free and reduced lunch. And I know what that does to your ability to achieve. And students who receive that free and reduced lunch, uh, over time, uh, you know, 40% uh, or excuse me, they achieve at a 40% lower rate than those students who are coming from more affluent households. So there really is a direct correlation between you being able to have the food and the nutrients you need to fuel your body and your ability to succeed in a classroom.
0: Well, it's going to affect your self-esteem, um, you know, how you, how you, your self-worth, how you look at yourself. You know, it, it's not the kid's fault. It may not even be their parents' fault, but it doesn't change the fact that they're going to, you know, look at themselves and then look at somebody else who may be better off and and judge themselves, you know, for whatever reason.
1: Right. Not to mention all of those things that you just pointed out. So there's a whole host of reasons why. I feel Betsy DeVos needs to take a good hard look at what's going on in our public schools since she hasn't spent much time in them. She needs to see that this is the real story. This is what's happening and that these young people are failing as a result of the system. And I would hope that she would be able to address that. And I hope that she can take this you know, cheap throwaway line here and quip about Bernie Sanders and the free lunch and understand that not everybody has had The same privileges that she has in their life
0: and i think it's worth saying that if if she were to learn from this confirmation experience learn from what is going on now and use it to affect her policies come out with things that you thought were good you would be i mean you would be more than happy to support her if she suddenly had policies that you thought were good in helping students you were not against them no matter what and that's what i think it's important to note on uh, no matter who's president, no matter who's what, if they do things that are positive, even if you're not my political party or whatever, I'll support those. I mean, President Obama had said, you know what? If they can come out with a better health care system than, Ob- than Obamacare, I will support it all the way because I don't care what's you know with my name being on it or getting the credit. I want what's best for the country, and I really wish more people would have that that. That thought process, they move things forward. It's not all about them. It's what's doing what's best for the country.
1: Certainly, and I'd be all all for it, Bessie DeVos. If you can do something that is going to positively positively affect the kids of America, then please, you know, I, I implore you, please do that. And I would be glad to sign on.
0: Great. Well, I think that's a good place to end uh, this episode. Uh, I just want to let everybody know we are officially on iTunes if you have an iPhone. We are officially on Stitcher if you have an Android. So you can get us no matter what phone you have for the most part. And I've just started putting things on YouTube as well. So you should be able to find us no matter what. Um, Also, we'd love to hear from you guys. So you can email us at grabthembythepod at Gmail or send us a little tweet at grabbythepod at Twitter. So you know what? We're here for you. We want to get your opinions. And uh, if you have any questions, we'll be happy to discuss them on the next episode. Anything you'd like to add before we get out today? I'm spent. You're spent. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. We'll be back later this week, hopefully, to talk uh, Trump's presentation and speech to uh, both chambers of Congress. That should be an interesting one.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: you